back when uh, Pastor Tony started this series called The Lunch, I think in the end of April, <clears throat> he showed that video. Um, and that's a shuttle, obviously. I don't know which one, because there were many. <laughs> but um, just like Pastor Tony, I was a child of the 80s. Yay, 80s. Um, and so my whole life, this shuttle thing was a big deal, right? So, like, they would show at school, we would watch not videos, but, like, they rigged up live coverage in the school, and it was pretty monumental at the time. Kids, you would not understand this, but (laughs) it was a big deal. Um, And, I mean, everything shut down. We just went, and wherever the TVs were, that was where we spent our days in the classroom as a child in the 80s. Um, And so, as a result of that, I was obsessed with all things outer space and shuttle and all of that. So, my bedroom, I I was kind of artsy, and so, like, I would draw all the time. I was always drawing. And in my room, there would be pictures that I made, um, most of which were outer space, shuttle, um, just full planets, stars, the sky, (laughs) unicorns. I'm not proud of that. But I figured out how to draw a unicorn, and so like, I went crazy with unicorns there for a while, but that passed. Anyway, um, but the, the shuttle stuff, man, that was, that was, I was always intrigued by the shuttle. And so, of course, I quickly would go to the Internet, not, card catalog, uh, Time Magazine, National Geographic, whatever I could get my hands on that had articles about the shuttle. And I would read and read and read and read and read and read. read. Um, So I don't know if researching was cool back then. I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't. So that gives you a little peek into who I was. Sorry about that. Um, But one of the things that always stood out to me um, and it happened the very first launch that I saw, and I was very young, I, like early elementary. I don't know exactly what grade, but um, I was better at science and math, so I could figure that out, but I won't. Anyway, I um, remember watching the very first launch and just holding my breath because I was so excited. And because, um, you know, that means we're going to have hovercrafts soon if they do this. And um, whatever you know about the 80s, we were all banking on hovercraft. That also didn't happen. But anyway, um, I'm watching the shuttle and all this smoke. You know, think back to that video we just watched. All this smoke and this rumbling and all this fire. You could see the the fire in the in the video. And and um, man, I wish I would have could have been there for one of those. But I remember that point where this is all, you know, I'm like, any second now that thing is going to take off, and it didn't. And I'm like, oh, no. It's not going to go. Because there's like, and the smoke is billowing and getting bigger and bigger, and it's still sitting there. I'm like, what? What? Oh, no, they failed. And then all of a sudden, just when I think it's really not going to make it, it goes, 
Does anybody, did that, did that stand out to anybody else? Maybe I was just a really freaky kid. I could have been. But I remember that panic, like, oh no. Because then I remembered back to when my brother would launch bottle rockets, which I'm pretty sure was very much the same. And he would light the thing, the wick or whatever, and then, you know, it's going up the thing, and we're watching the flame go up. My, sorry, my mom and dad are here, and they didn't know we did this, sorry. Um, we're watching the flame. <laughs> my mom is actually scared. I made it, though, so we're okay. Um, and then it gets to the thing, and then it just goes, it didn't go. So that's what I'm picturing. Like, that's what I think is happening with this shuttle, because it's not going anywhere. Um, but then, it finally did. So now that Pastor Tony's been doing this series on the launch, and he showed that video the first week, I've been re excited about space and launching and I don't know shuttles and stuff so you'll have to indulge the 10 year old me who did not have the internet at the time and so now I can look up all the stuff I wanted to know before right so I found out some things and I thought you would love to know them too so if you don't just tune me out for a second but I would prefer that you listen so number one the first thing that I found out was that the shuttle Of course, you could tell the shuttle is not the only thing that's being launched, right? There's the shuttle, which looks like an airplane, and then there's the two um, rocket boosters, right? The skinny, tall things that look like rockets, rocket boosters. I thought that was a creative name on NASA's part. And then there's the big, huge thing in the middle that looks like another rocket booster, but it's just way, way bigger, right? Well, that is a fuel tank, an external fuel tank. So all that does is hold fuel. But it's kind of a big deal. So it's, it's all attached. And one thing, all of those together, all, that, all those pieces, all that fuel, all that together weighs 4.5 million pounds. I, thought, I, mean, I can't even imagine that much weight. It did make me feel a little better about my most recent doctor appointment, but I won't get into that. But it just, it it sounds like it's been made up. Like, that's not even a real number. Like, nothing can weigh that much. And where do you get the scale? So, anyway. Okay, so the second thing that I learned is that because that's so heavy, it takes so much power and force to thrust that thing into the air. In fact... According to NASA, not Wikipedia, because you need to get real sources, kids, real sources. Um, (laughs) According to NASA, it takes 1.2 million pounds of thrust in order to bring about liftoff. Now, I don't know that much about thrust and force and stuff like that, but I do know I had a son that played football once. And he kind of got knocked into a little bit. So I was curious about, um, about the force that a football player could generate when they tackle or whatever they do. Um, I found out that in the NFL, the average defensive back, which I didn't know that position until I looked this up, but I'll pretend like you, you didn't hear me. Um, but this guy, these average NFL defensive backs, when they run full speed, they can apply 1,600 pounds of force on the dude that they're, check, they're you know, trying to tackle. 
1,600 pounds. I mean, the guy weighs maybe 250, and he's applying 1,600 pounds of force. So I reluctantly did some math, (laughs) and I figured out that it would take 750 average NFL defensive backs in order to produce the same amount of thrust that it takes to launch a space shuttle. 750. Alexander, can you imagine getting beat, hit by 750? Thankfully, he's not. Okay. 750 running right at you. Okay. That was, that was just bizarre. I'm trying to put this into terms that even make sense to me as a person who doesn't know things. Um, so they can't do that, obviously, to launch the shuttle. And I know it's more complicated than that, and there's, like, physics and science and, you know, stuff like that. But just to strip it down for people like me, it takes that much force. So in order to bring about that much force, it takes fuel, which brings us back to that giant tank, that external fuel tank that's attached. And I found out that in that fuel tank, as that fuel is burning, just that, the only reason that that tank is on the shuttle is strictly to get the thing launched. That tank, as it's burning fuel to get this launch, to get this shuttle off the ground, it burns through fuel so fast that it's about the same as draining an average pool every 10 seconds. And the thing runs for nine minutes. Like before the external fuel tank goes, it takes nine minutes. So imagine how much fuel that thing is burning and how quickly it's going. So as you know, whenever fuel burns, there's heat, right? Um, so I looked up, and in the combustion chamber, which is where the, the as it's burning, it all just kind of goes down. It's this big open hole, I guess. Um, That combustion chamber can reach as hot as 6,000 degrees. I cannot imagine how hot 6,000 degrees is. I mean, I know there have been days when it has felt to me like 6,000 degrees. Maybe today might be one of those days. Or when I was in Uganda, like it was pretty hot. Like, right there by the equator, like, it was hot. Um, Not 6,000 degrees hot, though. Well, so, my finite little brain can't even begin to imagine how hot that is, so I turned to Google once again, and I looked it up, and I said, what is 6,000 degrees? You know what's 6,000 degrees? The surface of the sun. In fact, I checked that, because I thought, nuh-uh. There is no way that, that it's 6,000 degrees, like that this is the temperature of the surface of the sun, and it's here on earth, and we're not all dead. Like, how is that even a thing? But it, it, it's true, according to all kinds of resources, because I checked like five or six or so. And that, that's really what it says. NASA says that, all the others. They, at six, the surface of the sun, that's how hot that thing gets in the combustion chamber in order to lift the shuttle. So as the shuttle is lifting, two minutes in, the shuttle is still within the Earth's atmosphere, 
And it releases those solid rocket boosters, those pair of the skinny rockets, right? Those are done. They did their job. It lets go. They fall into the ocean off of Florida, and um, somebody goes and gets them. That's a great job. Um, so they, they do that. Then nine minutes in, the shuttle has reached its orbiting position, and then it releases that giant external fuel tank and lets it go. That, when it is let go, falls towards Earth and gets burned up by the atmosphere and never really gets to the Earth. So that's just burned up. So I was, I was blown away at how much effort, energy, force, fuel, money, <laughs> people, research, how much is put into just the launch of a shuttle. And then it just like is released. It doesn't need it. Because you know why? The launch is not the mission. I'm going to say that again because we're going to come back to that. But the launch is not the mission. Let's look at Acts together again. We're going to kind of skip through the book off, uh, throughout. Starting in the Acts 1, though. At this point, we have the 11 remaining disciples, as well as many other followers of Jesus, watching him ascend into heaven. His last words, Jesus' last words to them, according to Acts, is this. In verse 7, It is not for you to know the times nor the dates the Father has sent by his own authority, set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then he left. And so the disciples then decide to elect Matthias to their local board of administration or whatever. <laughs> and they do that, and then they go, and they wait, right? Because they had to wait for who? Good. Two of you know the answer. They had to wait for who? The Holy Spirit. Very good. Good job. You've heard the sinning. Um, so they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then they're in the upper room, and you know the story, fire, tongues of fire, and, and the Holy Spirit is unleashed, and, and they can see him. I mean, the, they can see his presence, and they can feel, and he's, and he's everywhere. And they begin these, to speak in languages that they did not know before, and they begin to be able to do miracles, and they have all this power and all this passion and, and it's just amazing. And I would say, arguably, the most amazing event in all of human history, right there. The unleashing of that Holy Spirit on his people. Wow, I wish I could have been there, right? Um, so they begin, they begin, the, 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 the smoke is billowing, right? <laughs> the rumble is starting, and immediately... Acts 2.13, bam, first obstacle. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. 
well, I guess we're going to go home. Nobody believes us. And they, is that what they do? No. I'm going to fall. Okay, here we go. No, Peter confronts it. He calls it for what it is, and he, and he confronts it, and, he, and they keep doing it. They keep speaking about Jesus. They keep performing miracles. They keep talking about Jesus and clinging to that Holy Spirit. I remember back again to that shuttle launch where that moment when I thought, oh, no, it's not going to go. It's not going to go. This is kind of where we are in the launch of the church. It's this, the rumbling. There's some fire. There's some smoke, but no liftoff. Peter and the, and the apostles begin to move around to Judea and Samaria, preaching, teaching, trying to argue with the Jews and show them that Jesus was the Messiah. He, he is the one they're waiting for. And many believed, but many didn't. The smoke is billowing and rising, and that rumbling is getting louder and the fire is getting hotter enter persecution the apostles begin to get arrested there are trials before the sanhedrin there's the stoning of stephen saul relentlessly pursuing them taking them off to jail i can't do a very good rumble i'll try was that pretty good? You are awake. Okay. Um, miraculously, even though all of this is, is, this is burning against them, all these obstacles, this being put in jail, like what? They kept going. They would somehow get out, and then they would keep going and going and going. It did not matter what they faced. They kept teaching about Jesus. He meant that much to him, them. Can you imagine? I'm a little concerned about the church today in that the littlest obstacle comes to us, gets in our way, and we quit and go home. Or we anticipate that it might be hard. So we don't try that wouldn't have worked back then thankfully the apostles had that fire and they kept sharing about Jesus every chance they had every chance it didn't matter so they got stoned Eh. they kept doing it The next thing we know, Saul gets converted, of all people. (laughs) No one saw that coming. And then we have liftoff. Because what happens? The church is now not just a few. It's everywhere. There are pockets of believers all over the known world. And they are spreading like wildfire. But I remind you, the launch is not the mission. They launched the church, but that was not the mission. By this point in Acts, 
Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, all these new believers are feverishly sharing the story of Christ all over. There was persecution right and left. There were disagreements all over the place. How many partners did Paul end up having, right? (laughs) But the launch was not the mission. They kept going. I want you to picture that shuttle again at liftoff and, and picture that external fuel tank with me. At this point, we're nine minutes into the launch of the church. Not really nine minutes. Okay, bear with me. And that external fuel tank has been released. The Holy Spirit has been released. What keeps the shuttle going after that, etern- that external fuel tank is released? How does it still go? This is where you answer the question. What? Yeah, but what keeps it going after the fuel tank is off? It needs fuel. Yeah, so where's the fuel? If they just let go of the big giant tank of fuel, how do they have fuel? Internal. Somebody said it. It's inside the shuttle. It has its own fuel tank that you can't see from the outside, but it's in there. So, we take that back to Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was released on the people. Remember that? That was the big external thing. But you know what else the Holy Spirit did at that time? He came inside. Each one of us. Each one of us. We weren't even there, but he still came inside. And now, we have access to that full power anytime. Because the launch was not the mission. The launch is just what got us to get to the mission, right? Church, we're there. We're in the middle of the mission. And some of us are, are not drawing from that power that's within, inside of us that we say we have because we believe and we're followers of Jesus. Are we really, if we're not drawing from that fuel that's burning? Or are we trying to live off of that one really amazing encounter we had with the Holy Spirit back at youth camp? Or family camp? Or conference? Or... Because... Even the, even the disciples and apostles who were in the room with the visible presence of the Holy Spirit, they couldn't live off of that moment for the rest of their lives. They had to draw from the fuel that was within them. That means they had to keep it current. They had to keep coming together with other believers and worshiping and reading the word and praying and all of those things that Put fuel back into us. If they hadn't done that, where would we be? Church, now it's on us. They're gone. How's the fuel? 
We don't have one of those external rocket boosters. This is all we got. (laughs) We can't keep coming together and picking apart the color of the walls. I mean, those are changing every other day anyway, right? We got to come together for the purpose of worshiping and giving everything and taking in as much as we can and bringing others with us. We're not it, folks. There are people that are dying right around you who don't know Christ. And because we don't feel just quite right or because we're tired or because because they might reject us or because because we just quit. The launch was not the mission. This is the mission. We exist to deliver hope and freedom through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That wasn't Pastor Tony's idea, by the way. That's our mission, the church. The apostles did that. Even after the launch, even as they're taking their position, their orbit position or whatever, look at Acts 19 with me. Paul is in Ephesus at this point, and he says, he finds, he's speaking to Jews, trying to convince them that um, Jesus was the Messiah, and then he also finds a group of new believers that he didn't know about. Well, Paul didn't know about them. Who told them? I don't know, but Paul needed to make sure they had all the right information, so he asked them in Acts 19. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So then Paul takes some time with them, fills in some gaps between, he finds out they were baptized by John the Baptist. That's pretty cool. But they didn't understand who Jesus was, and he needed to fill in the blanks for them. So he took some time, and he baptized them in the name of Jesus. And when he laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them in power and they began to speak and prophesy and speak in other languages and the Holy Spirit took over. Was it easy for the apostles to always remember to do all of that? Oh, well, when they go to church, I'm sure they're fine. Are they? They never stopped. It didn't matter. They wanted to make sure they understood who Jesus was and followed him and understood they had the Holy Spirit. Another example in in chapter 18, going back just a little bit. Beginning in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. 
I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. What if he just quit and went home? The Lord came to him and spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Why are we so afraid? Paul might have lost it there for a second in the synagogue when he gets all angry and stuff. But hey, who has it, right? But he didn't quit. He went right next door. We just quit and go home. (laughs) Well, I'm never doing that again. The launch was not the mission. We exist to deliver hope. And freedom through the power, transforming power of Jesus Christ. Is that what we're doing? Church, is that how you live your life? Or are we seeking to make this as comfortable as possible until the Lord returns? Heaven help us. (laughs) That wasn't the mission. That was never the mission. We're not supposed to be comfortable. We're not even really supposed to be liked, necessarily. We exist to deliver hope and freedom through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. I know I've said that already. But I think we need to let that sink in. There's a a woman, I, I believe her name's Dorothy Day, who said this. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I'm going to say that again because when I heard it the first time, I had to hear it again because it's kind of (laughs) confusing. But it's really good. I only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I want you to picture that person, if there is one, that you love the least. Jesus died for that person. And if that person was it, He still would have died for that person. We have to love that person. But they're mean to me. Yes. But they hate me. Yes. But we love God. And in order to love God, we must love his people. He said that. And we have got to be more willing to sacrifice our pride for that person. 
to want that person to have a relationship with Christ just as much as our own child. Oh, man, I pray for my kids, right? Don't you? Even those of you who have adult children, you pray for your kids. That person that I love the least needs to matter to me just as much. Because to God, that person matters just as much. You think God hasn't been slapped around by some of those people? He still loves them. He still sacrificed daily for that person. We need to do the same. We need to want that person. We need to love that person into the kingdom because if we don't, who will? So we have a mission, church. And it's not to launch. It's not to start out doing something for the Lord. It's to do it. (laughs) So I want us to think every shuttle mission had a different, or shuttle launch had a different kind of mission. I looked at it. You can find them. There's like 200, and you can click on them and see what the individual missions were. Some of them were classified. I didn't know the password, so. Um, But just like that, each of us have a critical role in this mission, this overall mission. It's not to just sit around. It's not to just collect technology and cars and furniture. And what is your mission? And are you doing it? Some of us know our mission, but it's really hard to do. So I want you to think this morning before we go about these things. One, am I truly living a life that is on mission? Two, am I too focused on making life here as comfortable as possible and I miss opportunities to bring eternal life to others? Those kind of go hand in hand. Number three, do I spend more time critiquing the church or seeking to build it? I could have gone all day without saying that one. But sometimes we do. We put more energy into telling people what they're doing wrong than actually digging in and doing the hard stuff ourselves. Number four, Am I seeking to serve or be served? And the last one. Am I trying to get by on old encounters with the Holy Spirit? Or am I current? I think some of us are falling on the wrong side of the line on some of these things. And we need, to, we need to fix that. Today's the day.